You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. What I want to do right now is just do an exercise. Anyone want to do an exercise? How about we do that? I got a blackboard right here. Okay, if you got your Bible, we have about um, oh, 40 minutes, would you say? 40 minutes. And um, if you have your Bible, let's turn to the book of Joshua. Someone say Joshua. Joshua. You enjoying this tonight, Jordan? Yes, sir. You wouldn't say it if you wouldn't, though, would you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Someone say, God is good. Someone say, thank you, Lord, for the Old Testament. I like to do kind of get off of the teaching and, and have a fun exercise with us so we can learn how to draw as much from the Old Testament as possible. These exercises that we're about to do, you can use in your house. And um, yeah. you can use these um, for your devotional time. It'll just make reading the Bible a whole lot easier, okay? We're going to study uh, tonight how to do a biographical method of Bible study. This means we're going to take a person from the Bible and we're going to learn as much as we can about their lives. Someone say, this sounds fun. This sounds fun. Basically, it means that we're going to pick a character in the Bible and we're going to find out as much as we can about them. And I've decided that a lot of times we pick male characters and everyone, and the women sometimes say, what about all these good females in the Bible? So why not pick a female? For all the people that think women are no good and can't, we got, our, we got a woman, all right? We got a mighty woman. Now, I could find a hero or I could find a tragic one. You know, we could pick a Delilah or we could pick a Jezebel, but why be negative? Tonight, let's focus on someone who's positive, right? So I said, let's pick Rahab. Someone say Rahab. Women, you, you, you want to end like Rahab, not start like her, all right? A little closer, Jordan. Okay. This is one of the best ways of studying the Old Testament because there's so many characters. Not so much in the New Testament, but there's a lot in the Old Testament. All right? So the very first thing you do is you select who you want to study. So, that's pretty simple, right? So I decide I want to study Rahab. Now, be mindful that when you select who you want to study, that if you decide you want to study Abraham, you're going to be studying that person quite a bit. Part of the reason why I took, because there's so much about him, part of the reason why I took Rahab is there's enough we could study her, but there's not enough we'll be here till midnight, right? So the first thing you're doing is make a, make a write this down if you're taking notes, number two, is you want to find the person, and you know I used to say you've got to go get a good concordance, like the old timers say, Concordance, but now you have Google, so just go on Google <laughs> and find out all the references you can about that person. Every reference you can find. Type in verses about Rahab. You don't need to buy $6,000 worth of software to do that. Look in the back of your Bible, Rahab. Look it up. So what you do is you list all the references about that person that you can find. Now I want to say, make sure you're enjoying doing this. If you're not, if you're doing this because you're, I gotta find revelation about Rahab, or I'm not getting off my desk. You're not. It's not gonna be fun for you. You'll do better studying when you enjoy it, right? Then God can work with you. You're at peace, you know, and find some stuff. Okay. 
So you list all the verses. So, Jordan, why don't you be the... How's your handwriting? You, okay, well then, you stay there. Okay, no, I'm teasing. First, um, you want to list every verse that you have. So, Rahab, I have, will find... She's mentioned in Joshua chapter 2. Why don't, you, why don't you come up here and write this down? Show me how to do this. Move this and I don't want to write at the same time. So you find Rahab and write, what I did. write these verses down. Joshua chapter 2. I'll turn you back. The other people. Okay. Joshua chapter 2. You find Rahab in Joshua chapter 6 verse 17. 23 through 25. And that's all you find of her in the Old Testament. Uh, Joshua 6. Yep, just write 6. <laughs> Come on, Jordan, get it together. You're just a writer. <laughs> okay, then you find him in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, and Hebrews 11, 31. Excuse me, and uh, her. And James 2, 25. So, from this passage, write these down, is you find that Rahab is mentioned by name in the Bible in five unique places. Okay, you got that? It's pretty simple, right? So basically, you know in the New Testament, they're not going to be telling you narratives about Rahab. They're just going to be talking about her. In the Old Testament, they're going to be telling you narratives about her. So what you find that is told about Rahab in the Old Testament is going to be explained in the New Testament. And it's really good when you can find mentions of Old Testament characters in the New Testament because it's going to tell you more clearly how the writers, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, thought about that person. So no matter what application you draw about them, you should arrive at what the New Testament writers are saying about that person. If the New Testament people say someone's bad, you can they're bad. If the New Testament people say someone's good, they're good, right? Then the next thing you want to do is you want to find verses that deal with aspects of that person's life. Aspects can be the setting. Aspects can be the town, the type of people, the tribe, the places they visited, things that they may have said or did or ate or thought. So you want to find verses that deal with them indirectly, things that would have affected their lives. For instance, uh, in first, uh, you'll discover that Rahab lived in Jericho, right? That's pretty significant that she lived in Jericho for a number of reasons. Number one, uh, you'll find that Jericho is the place where Jesus met Zacchaeus. You'll also find that Jericho is the same place that Jesus gave the parable to ten servants. Jericho is also the place where Jesus met blind Bartimaeus. So, where Bartimaeus was, and Jesus was, and Zacchaeus was, and, and Jesus was, is the same place that Rahab was. Is the same place that the walls of Jericho fell down. That's significant. And also, you'll find that the people that were living inside of Jericho were Canaanites. So you find verses, now you say, okay, well, who lived in Jericho? Canaanites lived in Jericho. What did God think about Canaanites? He didn't think very good of them, right? So now you're developing this setting all about what's going on in the time of Rahab. She was a prostitute living in Jericho that was under the judgment of God because God promised the land of Canaan to who? 
the Israelites. This is the pa- this is Israel. This is Palestine, which some people call it. And it wasn't under the possession of Israel. And God was telling Israel, "This is what you got to do. You got to go in there. This is the western entrance into Palestine." It was guarded by this walled city called Jericho. And God told the spies, go in there and find out everything you can about the land. Because you're going to go in there and you're going to kill everybody and destroy everybody because I have no covenant with those people. They're totally an abomination to me. And what I want you to do is go in there and destroy everybody but first spy the land out. This is the context of the story, right? Okay. And you'll find out they're very hedonistic in practicing that. So the next thing that you do... After you write down those verses, and, and, and the verses, uh, you, you can chill, Jordan, I'll, I'll just write it down. Go on, sit, you can sit. You can sit, go ahead and sit, just get to me, just go ahead and sit. Poor Jordan, he's been through, he's had a hard day. The next thing you do is you read the story one time. Read the first, read the story. Read everything you can about Rahab. I mean, if you're studying Abraham or Moses, you know, you might want to read the whole story. It's a long story, but you can read parts of the story, the parts you want to study. So, um, let's go to Judges chapter uh, 2, where we find Rahab. I think we should read it, don't you think? I want to get you to participate. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation because it's good for devotional reading. And for you KJV-only people, um, I think that it's okay if we deviate from the KJV because it was trans it was revised nine different times. So they believed in revising and so do we. And I'm gonna read this uh some of our time that we have. I mean judges, hold on. I brought my laptop tonight, is that okay? Joshua two. Okay, it's uh, 24 verses. I'll go quick. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp. Now, what we're looking for is the first impression that we get of Rahab. We want to know the very first impression of Rahab, okay? So whatever she impresses on your mind the first time, that's what we want to know. I'm trying to study her. just want the first impression. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Kesha Grove. He instructed them to scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house so they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men. But she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they came from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, what she'd done was taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax that she'd laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road, leading them to shallow crossings of the Jordan. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate, uh, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to bed, Rahab went on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We're all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. We've heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing these things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens and above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you'll be kind to me and my family since I've helped you. Give me some kind of guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you'll let me live along with my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters and all their families. 
We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men said. If you don't betray us, we'll keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then Rahab's house was built into the town wall. She let them down by a grope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then when they've returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, We will bound by the oath we have taken if only you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet robe hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, mothers, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the houses. If they go out into the streets and are killed, it won't be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on these people inside the house, we'll accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we will not be bound by this oath in any way. I accept, she said, and sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. The spies went up to the hill country and stayed there three days. The men who were chasing them searched everywhere along the road, but they finally returned without success. The two spies came down from the country, crossed the Jordan, reported to Joshua all that had happened. The Lord said, they said, the Lord has given us this land, for all the people are terrified of us. Now, what are your first impressions of Rahab? Give me some things to describe her. Shouldn't be hard. This is not rocket science. Tell me something. How about she's a prostitute? Right? Number one. First thing we know, she's a prostitute. Hmm? She's fearful. Fearful. She's fearful. Good. Anyone else? It's okay to talk. Anybody else? What about what about Rahab? She lied. She lied. Very good. She lied, and God liked it. Proved of it, right? She lied. So she's a liar. What else? She's kind. That's good. How about she's clever? Is she clever? Hmm. But let me ask you this question. Do you think she's charming? Do you think she batted her eyes at those men and said that they weren't? Yeah? I think she's probably charming. I think she's probably charming, right? She's charming. What else do we know about her? What else? How about she feared the God of Israel? Yeah. Anything else? She's hardworking. She had flax seed that she laid out, right? Boy, I feel like I'm all alone up here. Anything else here? Can we, can anybody want to say anything else? She's loyal. She's loyal. She loved her family. Okay, how about we leave it at that, right? We don't have all night. Loves her family and, okay. So, do these things sound the way that maybe she was described in Hebrews 11.31? The Bible says that she faith she had faith. And I think that if you looked at Hebrews 11.31 and you looked at uh, James 2.25, you'll find that we're on the right track. She had faith in God. Mm-hmm. One thing's for certain. She knew that their town was about to be destroyed. She heard what they did to the other Amorite kings, and they knew she knew it's coming. Right? It's like when we America was bombing countries left and right. Nagasaki and Hiroshima. I'm not sure which one went first, but the other one knew it was probably coming. Japan knew it. If we don't stop, it's coming. And the people of Palestine knew it's coming. And um, she was wise. Because other people didn't want to admit it. Right? So she's wise. Okay, the next thing you want to do after this, after you've made first impressions, is this okay? Is everybody here with me tonight? Mm-hmm. 
is you want to make a chronological order of her life. Read it again. Go through and talk about chronologically what happened. Make an outline. What happened chronologically in her life? And this goes back to the way of doing this is, is don't make this hard on yourself. Identify the scenes. Like we talked about the sitcom. Pick out scenes, right? What's the first scene that we see? How about Rahab the prostitute receives spies into her house? Right? Okay. Then the next scene is Rahab hides the men. Totally different scene. And the king of Jericho tells Rahab to have the spies come out. Rahab lies to the king's men. Rahab talks to the men and admits their land is in fear and that God is supreme. Then she makes the men swear they'll protect her and her family. That's one scene. Then chronologically, Rahab lets the men down by a scarlet cord and tells them where to escape. The spies tell Rahab to leave the scarlet rope for her home and ensure her safety. Rahab accepts the vow. The spies go where Rahab instructs. That sounds like chronologically what happened. Am I right about that? Okay. So, let me ask you a couple questions now. We've talked about how it's important that when we're studying the Word of God to ask questions for our own understanding here. Because when we ask questions, what it does is it puts us into the person's shoes and allows us to maybe feel what they're going through. How do you think the spies felt going into a prostitute's house? They knock on the door. It doesn't see, it doesn't tell us. But they found the way to a prostitute. What do you think Rahab thought they wanted? And why do you think God sent them to a prostitute and not a metal worker? How would you feel if you're on ministry assignment and you had to stay with a prostitute? Then let's start to pick apart the humanity. Is it possible these men were tempted? Is it possible she tried to tempt the men? She is a prostitute. Now, now this story is becoming a little bit more uh, real. Looking less like some type of fictional story. But then Rahab hides the men. Maybe Rahab found out who they were. So you discover that there is a lot of questions we could ask to kind of make it become more alive to us and see how people felt. So what you do now is you take your chronological order of things that you have and you want to break it up and find out if you can divide this chronologically by transitions in the person's character. Can we find a maybe bullet point of the transitions in her life, maybe chapters of her story. How about we start off by saying, Rahab the prostitute. Number one. That's where we find her, right? Are you guys here tonight? Okay. Then we see that Rahab hides the men and the spies come out and Rahab lies to the king's men. 
How about Rahab, the prostitute who wants to know God? We see a progression now in her life. I think that if you're a prostitute and you're going to get converted, at some point you have to want to know God, right? How about the next thing is a prostitute named Rahab who decides to make a vow with God. She's gone from just being any old prostitute to a prostitute who wants to know God to now a prostitute who's willing to commit her whole life and family to God. Alright? So let's just put Rahab vow. So now she's just no longer a Canaanite. How about we say she's a Canaanite with a vow to God? And if we go to chapter 6, which we'll get into in just a minute, where Rahab's at, we'll find out a God who keeps his vow with a prostitute. Wow. God kept his vow to a prostitute? Now let me ask you something. I want to ask you honestly. God kept his vow to a lying, dirty prostitute. And isn't it funny that the king knew who she was? The king sent men to her house. How do you know where her house was? How do you know who Rahab was? Very possible he knew her better than everyone else thinks he knew her. But God kept his vow. Why? Let me ask you this question. Did it bother you any bit? that I said that God kept his vow to a prostitute. I think that if we asked a lot of religious people, it would bother them a lot to think that God can make a promise to someone who lives such an unclean life. But then again, I told you in the beginning that the sake of the Old Testament is not to just give you nice stories to read to your kids when they go to bed. They're stories that teach theological truths that are later explained by the Apostle Paul in the Old Testament. What's the theological truth we're getting at right now? It's starting to get, in, it's starting to get exciting now, right? Oh, we're going to see how exciting it gets. You have no idea. So, then you ask questions, step number five, to get insights to the person's life. Who wrote what we know about this person? A scribe under Joshua did it. What did the people say about her? The writer of Hebrews said she had faith. James says that she had faith and works. So she had a good reputation. What did God say about her? She's in the lineage of Jesus. She's Boaz's mother. Boaz was a pious man. Who do you think raised her? Prostitute whom God kept his vow with. That should speak a lot. Why did God make mention of this person in the Bible? Why did he pick Rahab? Why didn't he pick Joe Smith? I think there's some redemptive value in this. What were Rahab's motives? She wanted to know God. What can we discover about her ancestry? She's the mother of Boaz in the Messianic lineage. What was there a crisis in her life? She faced slaughter and extinction. How did she respond to the crisis? She had humility and dependence in God. <clears throat> How did she succeed? She had favor with God and man. How did she get along with other people? Why did the people like her? Because she honored and showed humility. Humility opens up opportunities. How did her family fare because of them? They were saved. Were her family believers? No. Did they lead separated lives? Not at first. Sounds like somebody that you would probably walk by and say, that person is not fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. 
we're starting to see the heart of God in this now. Is the story opening up for anybody? Is it becoming like a flower that's going like this now? Oh, but wait for the firework at the end. I always leave a grand finale. I like to preach. My preaching professor told me, when you're preaching, leave the grand finale for the end. I always like to build. Some people like to be anticlimactic. I like to be climatic and <laughs> bust you at the end. I mean, if you leave early, you're going to pay for it. You're not going to know. Okay, ready? Then you identify character qualities. Can someone please tell me some character qualities about her? Faith. Honor. How about remorse for sin? Revelation concerning God. That goes a long way today. A lot of people don't have any revelation concerning God. Righteous parent. How about this? The next thing, chapter, uh, step number seven. Show how other truths are illustrated in the person's life. So this basically means this. Can you find in her life theological principles that are taught taught elsewhere in the Bible, particularly the New Testament. How did she get her salvation? Do you at all see her in this part keeping the law of Moses? Did Joshua say, well, you know, yeah, okay, spies, yeah, we can keep her promise, but she's good. Make sure that she knows what the law is. No. Her salvation came because she believed in God. So how about faith without works is dead? Right? How about the righteous live by faith? Romans 1.17 But how about the most important principle of all and that's found in Romans 4.25. Let's read it tonight before we close in just a minute. Then I'm going to show you the contrast that's going to blow you away. Romans 4.5, excuse me. I want to read this to you, because this is how you're God. I'm going to read it in the uh, ESV. And to one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So there's many people out there today who have lived their lives as prostitutes and sinners, and it's not about works, it's about your faith in God. A God who is in the business of justifying the ungodly so that their faith is counted as righteousness. No time in the Old Testament do you ever see the law redeeming people. It never redeemed people. The law was given to Israel to make them a separated people. It was given them to point to their... It was given them not so they wouldn't keep it. It was given them so that they could be separated, but they couldn't keep it. And it pointed them to the need for a Messiah. Right? Okay. So let's write the main lesson out. Step number eight. Write out the lesson. Here's our lesson for the story. The story of Rahab shows that God's justice, excuse me, that God justifies the ungodly by their faith in Him, not necessarily their works. It points towards the foundational biblical truth that God's people are not those born of the flesh, but born of the Spirit. Redemption does not come through perfect living, but by faith and trust in Him. Now, this is extremely important. Was Rahab an Israelite? No. She was a Canaanite. Did she have any covenant with God? She, she gained a covenant with God. How did she do it? Through her faith. So what does this tell you about the people of God? Is the family of God about flesh or is it about spirit? Is the family of God about your faith in Christ or is it about your 
dead works that can't justify you. So let me ask you this. Who's part of the family of God? The poor beggar who has no money to give, but in his last dying breath reaches his hand out and says, I choose to believe that God is real and he came through the person of Jesus Christ and though he's not given one cent to anybody in his last breath, he says, Jesus saves me? Is he part of the family of God? Or is the philanthropist who drives his Ferrari around and has made billions of dollars and has given tens of millions of dollars to, found, to causes that are good like AIDS and curing cancer, or is he part of the family of God who denies that Christ has walked the earth, who denies God and has no fear of God inside of him? God is very clear that salvation is going to come through faith. So what are you saying? These people are bad. I'm saying that God has made it very plain in the case of Rahab this evening. That faith comes through your belief in Christ. He's made it that easy that anybody, person in Africa, a starving child in Somalia, someone who's never seen more than $5 in India, an orphan, can trust Jesus as big enough to save him from their sin and become part of the family of God. Powerful God we serve versus all these other religions like Zen Buddhism that says we have to become part of the karma and, and in nirvana and meditate ourselves into something that's impossible to do unless you have 20 years and time on your hands. That's the distinction of what separates Christianity from all other world religions. Islam believes that no man can receive righteousness, that we're morally neutral before God, but we can't have favor with God. And Christianity says you can have favor through Jesus Christ. Now, that's what makes your gospel significant. But I think the irony comes into play when you discover, like I said before, I would violate my own rule if I said that tonight we're going to come in and look at Joshua chapter 2 and Joshua chapter 6 where you'll discover that uh, the, the Israelites come in, they shout, they blow the walls down, it falls apart, and then all Israel comes in and sacks the city of Jericho and they spare uh, um, Rahab. That's what happens. And they say, let's keep our covenant to Rahab. And all her family is saved. This would just be the small picture. How about we look at a bigger picture? What surrounds the story of Jericho? When you discover in chapter 4, 5, and 6, Jericho is sacked and destroyed. You'll see the first thing that surrounds it is the story Jericho, chapter 3, 4, 5, and 6. This is the story of Jericho. This is the introduction of Rahab. This is the story of Achan. Go to Genesis 7. Or excuse me, Judges, uh, Joshua 7. Two bookends. Because the Bible is not just about the history of Jericho. There's a point to this. There was a command given from God, do not take anything from this conquest. All iron, brass, silver, and gold must be taken and put into the treasury of the Almighty God. But do you know what Achan does? Achan is an Israelite. And you'll discover that he committed a great sin. 
I don't want to, this is a long story, I don't want to read it. Let me just, get, this is Genesis, you'll find it in Genesis, uh, uh, Joshua 7, 10 through 26. You'll find that Israel, uh, Israel's next battle they lose. And what you'll discover is that when Achan is introduced, that he's an Israelite who in the Israel's conquest of Jericho disobeyed. And he stole loot from Jericho and he tried to hide it in his tent from the leaders and from the eyes of God. Are you guys here? I'll be done in five minutes. This is the end. Okay? And what happens to him is that he executes Achan's family. Who are Israelites? So look at the contrast that we see now. We see Achan, an Israelite, who is in covenant with God, who's Command was simple, don't take loot. He takes it. And his family is destroyed. Do you see any contrast or irony that has played out in between the bookends of the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth chapters of Joshua? You have Rahab. Let me remind you who she was. Rahab was a woman. She was a Canaanite. She was a prostitute. She deserved death. But God delivered her. Her family and her possessions survived. The nation that she came from, of Canaan, perished. She hides spies from the king. She put the spies on the roof. She feared God. She heard of God, but believed. The house survived while the whole city was burned. And an Israelite, excuse me, a Canaanite becomes an Israelite and she survives. But notice what happened in this case of Achan. His situation is completely ironic and opposite of hers. He was a man, but he wasn't an Israelite. He, excuse me, he wasn't a Canaanite, he was an Israelite. He was respectable, and he should have prospered, but he died. And his family and his possessions were destroyed because he tried. Uh, even though his nation prospered, he hid the loot from Joshua. And he hid the loot under a tent, and he didn't fear the God of Israel. And the difference between him is that Rahab had heard of the works of God and believed. And Achan had seen the works of God, and he didn't believe. And he didn't fear God in his heart, and he tried to hide from God. And his tent was burned, and an Israelite becomes a Canaanite and dies. You see that? So the irony, without even telling you, is in there, drives home the point, if you can just catch it. And the point is this. God doesn't care one bit if you're white, if you're black, if you're brown, if you're purple, if you're a man, if you're a woman, if you're born into this family, born into that family, if you're a prostitute, if you're a king. The only thing He cares about is... Do you believe and fear me? And if you fear God and your heart is for Him, 
you will experience His presence in your life, His power, His deliverance in your family. If you believe in God for your family to be saved, if you believe in God for your kids to be saved, if you believe in God to get into college, whatever it is, if you fear Him and obey, you'll be blessed. And you know what? There's a lot going on in the Old Testament. And if we just allow God to work with us, it will open up to us and we'll find all sorts of intriguing details. Amen? Stand to your feet. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly, so make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to The Light of Today with Chris Palmer.